you know, cause then you get to build these deeper relationships. And, you know, when we get done here, I go into a uh, holiday uh, happy hour thing with one of the big broker shops in town. And, you know, they're all the, all the, all the brokers from that, that shop are going to be there and I'm going to go spend some time with them and being local. That's super easy for me to do. This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. Happy to be talking with you. I'm your host, Taylor Lowe. Today, we have an awesome episode for you. We have Michael Becker from SPI Advisory. Michael is a very successful real estate investor. He currently owns over 5,000 units with his company, SPI Advisory, and all the investors that he's brought into his business. Over time, he's acquired a total of 8,000 units or thereabouts very successful. He started investing right after the Great Recession. He's going to tell you more about his experience. And today we're going to talk about how he got into raising money and some lessons that he's learned along the way that you can implement in your business today. Michael's a great guy. I've met him in the past and he was always very kind to me. So I was thrilled to talk with him again to record this interview. You're going to enjoy it as well. There's a lot of fantastic actionable information in here. We're going to talk about the practicalities of investing in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin, as Michael does, and how it's competitive today, how he's successful in doing so, things that you can do to be more competitive in your multifamily investing business. Lots of great lessons in this episode. Without further ado, here we go with Michael Becker from SPI Advisory. Michael Becker, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Happy to talk with you again. It's been a couple of years since we talked. I'm sure you don't even remember me at this point, but uh, it was a great conversation when we had it. But uh, for the listeners who somehow don't know who you are, there's, I'm sure there's very few of them. Can you uh, tell us your background, what you do, and uh, yeah, where you are now? You're going to give me a big head. So uh, yeah, Michael Becker, <laughs> uh, based in uh, Dallas, Texas, and I uh, run a company called SPI Advisory. Uh, so my, my background is, uh, um, is I'm a banker by profession kind of how I got into the multifamily business. Uh, I was loaning money to other people on uh, on apartment buildings and kind of realized that process was on the wrong side of all those deals. It's kind of better be the, the borrower than the lender. So went out, uh, like a lot of people, go out my first uh, piece of real estate in 2011, I think it was, bought a three-bed, two-bath house and ended up doing 16 uh, rent houses and realized it wasn't very scalable. So uh, in 2013, transitioned. Uh, over into some larger scale, larger scale multifamily syndications, and uh, as we talked today, we've uh, we purchased 38 deals, about 8,000 units. Uh, as of today, uh, we we just went full cycle on our 18th deal, so we've uh, refinanced five, uh, returned some money, and still in those today. And then uh, we sold 13 or uh, now for a substantial profit. So as we talk, I have about 5,800 units uh, in between Dallas Fort Worth in Austin, uh, with the majority of that up being in Dallas Fort Worth, which is where I'm based. So glad, uh, glad to be on the podcast and try to happy to try to answer any sort of questions about uh, multifamily or anything uh, related to that. Absolutely. That's a great summary. You have a, a, an awesome background and you've accomplished a lot as a real estate investor, having started investing in real estate only what, eight years ago now as we're reporting. Yep. So that's, that's really uh, very impressive. And uh, first I wanted to talk with you about the process of starting to raise capital your first time around, starting to work with your first passive investors, what was that like? And, and what are some of the lessons that you learned early on to go from, you know, we all struggle right at the beginning to go from sure. struggling initially, potentially, I don't know, to then, you know, probably being a, a 
pretty accomplished capital raiser by now. Yeah, uh, yeah. At this point, it's uh, materially easier than it, than it used to be, you yeah. know. And uh, having track record and uh, deals go full cycle certainly help uh, help that story and the narrative and the confidence in people. So you know, as uh, as you know, I like to say when you're kind of first starting out, the the people the the first people to give you money are kind of like the three F rule, right? You got your your friends, your families, and the fools, right? So <laughs> right. Uh, you know, if people that know you or people that don't know any better, those are generally the first people that uh, that kind of give you money. Uh, I was I was actually relatively fortunate. So when we first started out, you know, I met I uh, met my now business partner um, Sean because when I was a banker, I was making loans uh, to, to other people to buy apartments. So I made a loan to a guy from California that bought a property in Dallas, fly out to go meet him. That's kind of how my, my partner, Sean. So Sean was working for a, a broker out of at L, uh, Beverly Hills. I've helped uh, high net with people from LA and Orange County buy properties in Texas. And uh, so I kind of made a loan to them. That's that's how we met. And so he had a client that, uh, that had a pretty large net worth, sold the company. And uh, so our first deal we did, we actually had one investor um, that wow. gave us, uh, he put in 95% of the money, we put in 5% of the money. And he was crazy enough to give us a million too, and uh, we didn't have any track record. And uh, you know that guy subsequently invested in multiple deals, and we've actually killed it for him. And uh, you know, done done very well for him, and he's done really well for us. So I felt I felt pretty fortunate um, uh, from that standpoint. But uh, you know, most people don't start with that, right? So kind of some of the some of the things you need to think about is when you're getting out there. You know, it's um, you know, you just got to kind of build your track record, your resume up. And when you start out, you don't have a ownership resume or ownership track record. Uh, so you need to find the things that you do have that are kind of transferable or marketable skills or marketable accomplishments that you have uh, professionally. So, you know, your professional background, you know, have you done some smaller, um, smaller real estate uh, projects like single family houses or duplexes, whatever. And then you kind of build your resume out. A lot of people um, that kind of uh, get into this, you know, join either like a mentoring group or some sort of educational club. Uh, and then once you get in there, th those could be, you know, kind of culty in a, in a good way. Right. <laughs> so they, uh, you know, you get, you get people that, um, that, uh, that kind of, kind of help, you know, they, you're all in the same group, you all learn the same things and you all kind of tend to do deals together. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people be um, successful doing it that way. Um, or, you know, or, or they'll, they'll start as a passive on someone else's deal and then kind of work their, um, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of start the resume by being a passive and then maybe co-sponsor with somebody else, have someone else come on the team that's already done it. And then eventually once you do that, then you can then maybe be the, the, the main sponsor, the lead in the deal. So it's kind of a, a series of steps. So, but I think really the, the, the first thing I would say is, you know, you've got to be realistic about kind of where you sit, you know, kind of be, you know, very self-critical about yourself. You know, what do you have? Uh, what do you, what are you lacking? And then, you know, you need to go try to solve for the things that, that you lack with, with other people. And, you know, it's kind of like a puzzle, right? You just got to get all these pieces. And as long as you put all the pieces together, the picture becomes clear and you kind of do the deal. So that if you don't know where you stand, then you don't know where you need to kind of go. Hmm. That is definitely a uh, great advice. We need to be self-critical and think about that. Um, if we're, I don't, I don't know how many people you've, uh, you, you're not a coach, right? You're, but you're involved no. with these programs. And how many people have you noticed come into the syndication game and kind of have a hard time, at least initially, in getting started? I mean, that's kind of reality, right? It's going to be tough at the beginning. Yeah, you know, that that's certainly it. And then uh, and everyone's got, you know, uh, different personality and different, like, hangups and stuff, right? So there's – see a lot of the, the engineer types that uh, that kind of the paralysis by analysis on their – 
you know, I always have more questions. I never know exactly everything they need to know. The, the truth is you're never going to know everything. Uh, you, you know, there's, um, you know, calculated risk you got to take along the way. And then you got the opposite of that. You got the gunslinger mentality where they don't care. They're just going to buy it no matter what and try to figure it out later. So, you know, trying to be a little bit, a little bit more measured and a little bit of both, I think is certainly, um, you know, helpful as well. Um, but, you know, I think, I, I think within, depending on the group and, and the, the training and things like that, I think, um, that's some more reputable ones out there. And then some ones that are a little bit less reputable. So, you know, trying to do the diligence, make sure that if you, you go that route that, you know, it's not inexpensive. A lot of these things cost thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, um, to, to, to get into. But, um, if it shortcuts your, your, uh, learning curve, it gets you in to get a deal, uh, keeps you from avoiding uh, a big mistake. I think it's you know definitely worth it if you're really serious about it and trying to make this into like a career and a business. Um, you know, so just try to try to find the one that have had um, you know people that actually successfully buy deals and maybe go full cycle on those deals as well. Uh, the people that uh, that you know maybe were flipping houses ten minutes ago and they started a, a multifamily program. Maybe that's not the right um, quite uh, profile, even though that might be a lot less. Um, expensive, but you know, is as a concept, I guess, between price and value, and maybe you're just you're paying uh, a lower price, but you're not really getting the value back. That's a great point. Price and value are not the same thing, and we should probably focus on value. And now, um, moving on to when you want, once you have a huge portfolio, I mean, fifty eight hundred sure. units, like you said, how in the world? do you manage even though you're using i'm sure third-party property managers how do you manage all of that 5800 units i mean that's huge yeah so we have 5800 units we are we got 700 plus unique investors that have actually invested cash with us we're going to do like 1200 almost 1200 k1s this year wow you know so it's just an administrative uh, uh, challenge right um and that's been kind of the most, um, honestly, kind of the most interesting part of the whole thing for me was I was always the guy that did deals, but trying to then take, you know, the guys that could do deals and then turn into a company and then have, you know, systems and organization. And then you deal with all the stuff that comes with it. Um, you know, so it's just really kind of started incrementally and we grew up on it. But, you know, once you, once you get a decent base, when you start out, you know, you, you do a little bit of everything, right? You kind of do everything. You do the uh, the $10 hour task, you can do the $1,000 or $5,000 hour task kind of because you're on your own and you don't really have the um, asset management team, uh, asset management income or infrastructure or really need to to do it until you start getting a little bit of scale. But then, you know, really kind of the first person we hired was was like administrative help. And then we kind of rolled in and hired some of that um, that's got an operational background that really kind of, you know, we were living in Excel, Excel documents and uh, <laughs> Google Sheets and, you know, stuff wasn't really you know, clearly organized and in, in, in a good, good consistent fashion. So we, you know, we use Dropbox, we got that set up, we got a chart of accounts and, you know, everything's in a certain order for every deal. So everything's, you know, at first, so we were like kind of disorganized a little bit and you would like spend 15 minutes trying to find a copy of the settlement statement. Cause it was in this one folder in this one document, this one property <laughs> and then a different folder. And that got really, really frustrating. So, you know, everything's very standardized. Um, the, what, the way we, we did that. And then, we didn't have any, you know, policies or procedures kind of documented. So we went through just through a series of a year and, and, you know, the lady we hired just kind of interviewed us and we, you know, <clears throat> now if you come in and, and we have a, you know, a policy procedure and documented somewhere, every, everything that we do, you know, or most everything that we do. So if a new employee comes in, there's something to refer them to and reference them to. And then, uh, and then once we started, you know, uh, up and going, 
you know, we, you know, layered out uh, administrative help. We got some analytical help. We have, uh, you know, some of the kind of runs or transactions for us because, you know, we're always kind of like perpetually in escrow. We're buying, selling, refining. So someone's got to stay on top of all the, the transactional stuff, you know, with the lender, with the title company, with, you know, insurance, all that stuff. Uh, and then eventually we, we hired an asset manager. So we have, you know, someone that's job is to uh, engage with the management company and, you know, day to day deal with all the kind of the stuff that comes off the properties, making sure we're pushing the rents and we're trying to stay on top of budget or if we're off budget, why are we off budget? How can we course correct? You know, all that stuff. And then uh, and a lot of the stuff we use technology to try to help, um, you know, take, take some of the administrative nightmare off of us. So we have an investor uh, portal that's you know like a CRM tool that stores our documents as well as it allows us to help process equity raises uh, as well. So you know we got all that stuff and it's extremely streamlined. If you invest with us, this is all automated. You sign stuff electronically and you can wire it in. So you know we kind of over over a series of years and deals. You know, um, every deal we do, we try to do like a, we'll call like a postmortem. So at the end of the deal, we kind of, you know, go over the good, the bad, what do we want to improve upon? What do we not want to do again? You know, stuff like that. And so, uh, so the list is ever growing, but now fortunately the, the things that we approve upon are, you know, so minor in the grand scheme of things where at the beginning is like, Oh crap, let's, let's never do that again. That was horrible. So <laughs> let's figure out how we don't do that and make that mistake. And so now the mistakes are pretty small and, you know, just kind of tweaks to the, the process is not, you know, big, big, uh, bigger issues like, like we dealt with on, on you know, the first several deals. And that's kind of how, how we grew as a company. And it's just incremental, you know, deal by deal. We just got a little bit, we try to get a little bit better with every deal that we do. You know, I'm curious um, when we're on the topic, uh, if I can actually, if I can slide back to the topic of raising money, we're not on yeah. the topic anymore, but um, you know, when we first, we initially met probably three years ago. I mean, you have no reason to remember having a conversation with me, but you were very nice to me. And, and I met you at a, a real estate guy, Secrets of Successful Syndication Conference, where you were on stage talking about your business and, and all the things that you do. And frankly, I can't recall the exact topic right now because it was three years ago or something like that. But, sure. um, how has being on stage and bec becoming more and more of like a public uh, a person, public figure, a, a name brand, if you will. Sure. How has that impacted your business, both in terms of raising capital and really bringing deal flow to you too? Because I'm sure your brokers have gotten to know you better and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, so when, uh, yeah, we met, so I, I've, I, for several years spoke of this, uh, secrets of successful syndication. I was a tongue twister for me yep. saying that, um, and with the real estate guys on the cruise. So that, that's been, uh, that was, that was good. So it was a way of, um, you know, um, kind of getting some, a certain level of credibility, you know, and, and you kind of get, getting a little bit known, you know, we have a podcast much like you, right. The, uh, I co-host the, the old capital real estate investing podcast, my partner, Paul. So that's on, you know, iTunes or Stitcher or probably anywhere you hear my voice, you probably find that great show. Um, but that's really been a very big um, key there as well. So, you know, we get as crazy as it sounds, you know, when we started out, um, you know, like I joked that we had dozens and dozens of listeners when we started out and then now <laughs> on a consistent basis, you know, we get over 40,000 downloads a month and Whoa. it's very, you know, niche subject matter, right? It's just about apartment investing and financing and all the things around it. So, you know, you got to be kind of an apartment nerd to listen to it, right? You know, my wife doesn't listen to this type of stuff, right? It's uh, <laughs> relative. You got to be into it to, to listen to it. But, you know, the people that are into it are into it. And, you know, I, I get, you multiple calls a week off of the, off the podcast. And we've raised, you know, literally in, you know, the, through the people and the relationship 
decorum or raised literally millions of dollars over the past several years just by me talking into a microphone. It's crazy, you know. Um, and I found it's a good way that, you know, you probably have experienced this a little bit yourself that people that sit there and they, they listen to, you know, a hundred episodes of you talking or, or something with their earbuds in their ear, you know, they, they know you, they have a relationship with you. You never maybe have met them ever, but they, they, they feel like they know you because they just listen to you over and over again. So like by the time they kind of finally reach out, they've already heard me for, you know, hours or dozens and dozens of hours. So they already kind of generally understand what my principles are and what I understand. So the conversion to be, you know, an active investor is, is really, really short at that point because they already feel comfortable with me. Um, so then we get them in the database and we'll do a 506C raise where we can generally advertise as long as uh, we only take a credit investors in. And that's really been a good way to kind of um, build, the, build the list quite a bit. So speaking, you know, having a platform, um, you know, that's certainly uh, good. I, I want to kind of be more like a, a magnet. So I want to attract people to me more than me trying to go seek people out. I find that's more effective and, 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 and um, from both, you know, time standpoint and you know, actually converting people over. So, and then, you know, when you're starting out, uh, you know, all this stuff is relative too, right? So like, um, you know, if, if you've done one deal and the next person's done nothing, you're a hundred percent more experienced than your counterparty. Right. So whether, you know, um, you know, one of the things I like to, I think has been pretty good. I see a lot of people do is they'll do like a little meetup. So you're going to start up a meetup at the banquet room at the Mexican restaurant in your town. And then you start inviting people out and maybe have a guest speaker. And those people I've seen be really, really consistent with it. Well, they start out with, you know, 10 people in the room and then, you know, a year later they have a hundred or 200 people show up on a, on a regular basis. And that's a good way to you know, kind of build credibility. You don't need to provide all the content. You just need to provide the conduit to it, introduce the insurance, uh, insurance broker or the management company or whoever to be the guest speaker. And, you know, I think the key really is just showing up and being consistent with it. Uh, that goes a long way uh, in this business for sure. That's great. That's I'm following that formula myself. I host a meetup. It's uh, been doing it like two and a half years, about a half a mile up at the, but it's not a Mexican restaurant. It's an <laughs> Irish pub. There you go. But yeah. Even yeah, better. It's great formula. Great formula. So um, while we've got you, you know, we're recording this in uh, November of 2019 at the, and the date this goes up, at least the plan is January 23rd, 2020. So there'd be a little bit of a time gap in there, yep. but I want to get your opinion on the state of the market. I mean, you're buying yep. in Dallas. Dallas is a hot market, right? But sure. you know, generally, what do you think about where are we headed over the next uh, three to five years? The Fed just cut rates again. What do you think, especially from you know an apartment investor standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, every 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 area is different, right? So it's really kind of dependent on your location, right? So I think if uh, if I was owning uh, rent subsidized uh, or rent stabilized apartments in New York City, I'd be feeling a lot worse today than owning a bunch of market rate <laughs> stuff in Texas, um, you know. And then if I was in you know California, it'd probably be a similar thing. You know, there's there's certainly um, you know the market's always ever changing, um, but you know I think generally speaking, I still I'm still pretty bullish you know particularly on the markets that we focus on on texas on dallas fort worth and austin those are the two markets uh we focus on you know there's four major markets and those are my estimation in my opinion those are the two best markets and uh you know what what i try to strive to do is you know i'm i live in dallas been here my entire life my partner's in austin so we have a physical presence in the two markets that, that we um that we do business in and we focus on and not say that that's a necessity, but it certainly helps being in the market. Um, you know, cause then you get to build these deeper relationships and you know, when we're done here, I go into a uh, holiday 
a happy hour thing with one of the big broker shops in town and you know they're all the all the all the brokers from that that shop are going to be there and i'm going to go spend some time with them and being local that's super easy for me to do um but you know so that that's kind of you know so one i think we you know strive to try to get our unfair share of deals you know whether that's off-market stuff or whether it's a marketed deal but we're going to get you know on an off-market deal i want to try to get the first phone call on a market deal i want to have the last phone call right so i kind of get that piece of information maybe the next person doesn't have and that's what i strive to get um you know but we're, we're really try to try to do our best to save as disciplined as possible you know i have a very specific criteria you know we're buying typically suburban multifamily deals uh, you know, typically have some level of value add component to it that are in the better school districts, near retail, near, you know, fairly major thoroughfares, near, you know, uh, uh, employers that, you know, that have, you know, 10% or so below market rents or more you come in these deals, you know, people capitalize, cure the deferred maintenance, upgrade the units, upgrade the common areas and kind of push the rents. And so we're just trying to find something that's a relative value today compared to, uh, to the other stuff, um, you know, and kind of the state of the market, um, you know, it's, um, you know, I think in the long run, I don't know what's going to stop Texas, right? I mean, Texas is, is, you know, growing disproportionately faster than most other parts of the country. You know, you got Arizona, you got Texas, you got Florida, uh, Georgia, you know, kind of the Southeast, some of the Southeastern states from what I, I kind of read about. I don't really know those cause we're not in the market, but you know, those seem to be pretty good areas to kind of target. Um, you know, like I said, if you're in New York or if you're in, California or Detroit or some of these other places it might be a little more difficult to to operate you know and and one of the stats I like to give um, you know um, it was really really important uh, even with, with what I'm about to say but you know if you can buy these deals right at a relative value manage them well the cost effective smart renovations those things really really matter but you know in the grand scheme of things if you take like the 50,000 foot view you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, if you're here in 2010, uh, we had about six and a half million people in our metropolitan area. Fast forward to the end of last year in 2018, then 2018, there's about seven and a half million people. So we grew about a million people in the metropolitan area in about eight year period. And the projections are somewhere between 2030 and 2035, there's gonna be damn near 10 million people in the wow. metropolitan areas. So that's like uh, two and a half million more people that ended 2018. So if you think about that, that's like the equivalent of the entire metropolitan area of either Orlando or Charlotte uh, put on top of Dallas Fort Worth, right? <laughs> so I don't know much, but if, if, if that's anywhere close to like reality, um, with the project terms of reality, rents have to go higher. Like they just have to be higher. So if you do all the other things right, you don't over leverage your deal, you set it up structurally right with the type of loan you put on it without over leveraging and having the proper demands in place, having the proper capital plan in place, and you can kind of weather any sort of hiccups along the way. The general trend in the market like Dallas or even more so in Austin is, you know, people are going to come in and, and prices will go up. I mean, that's so, so I don't know if that answers your, your, your question. So we're still buying. We're just trying to be selective. Like we always uh, felt like we always have been, um, you know, and then one of the other things too, that, that I found in this business, one of the things I like to say, it's a completely unfair business, right? A lot of this is who you know, what you know, what chips you can trade. And part of that unfairness is bigger is better. Um, so the types of loans and the pricing of loans that uh, I can do today, uh, that now that we've borrowed hundreds of millions of dollars and I'm a Freddie Mac like sponsor, right? <laughs> I get better pricing than the next guy who's doing this first deal or third or fifth deal just because I have my track record. So I can, we can look at the same deal and if I can get two more years of IO, 
a little bit more loan proceeds and lower my spread 20 basis points, my returns are going to look better than your returns just because of that. And it's completely unfair, but you know, you kind of earn it through, through doing deals. Um, so, you know, just trying to be strategic about the types of debt we put on and, you know, the, the location of the markets that we do. So I don't know if that answered your, your, your question or not, but those are some of my uh, general thoughts about the market and kind of how we're still able to, I think, make some sense of deals or maybe, maybe the next guy may or may not be able to. Yeah, absolutely. It's real estate in general is not an efficient marketplace, especially larger scale yeah. multifamily. Um, with so many news coming in and they're looking for deals. I mean, if they're looking for, I don't know, 200 units, something like that, they're competing with you. You're going to see that deal sure. first. And you know, and the broker knows that, okay, if Michael or SBI advisory makes an offer on this deal, they can close it. That's not going to be a problem yeah. at all. Whereas a new guy coming in, he might not be able to close on the deal. So it's a big That's question right. mark. And yeah. They got it. You got to overcome that. I'll do your first deal, right? You got to give them confidence uh, that, that you can get it done. So having your ducks in a row, knowing where your debt's coming from, knowing where your where he's coming from and quite frankly in this the the recent past you know most of these deals uh are requiring you know some portion of your, of your earnest money to go non-refundable yes uh day one we signed the contract so those are some things you you know probably just need to be uh accustomed and willing to do uh right now at the end of 2019 so you know but all i know is the future is gonna be different than right now and at some point that'll turn you know but as <laughs> of right now in the recent past and the foreseeable future that I can see, you know, that's going to be probably the environment you're going to have to navigate. Um, and, you know, just got to be, like I said, kind of at the front end of the, of the interview, it's got to be real about where you sit, what you have, what you lack, and then try to go solve, uh, solve for what you lack to, you know, kind of make your position with the lender or with your investor or with the broker or whoever it is, you know, you just need to make sure you understand what your counterparty wants, where you, what you have, what you lack, and then try to find um, something to solve for your deficiency in whatever area that, that, that you need to solve for. Nice, I like that. So I have a, a question um, that I like to ask, uh, especially people that have been very successful and at, at, our, at a certain point in their real estate investing career. And it, the essence of it is, what's stopping you from selling everything and just going and sitting on a beach? Because presumably, sure. you're probably at a point where you could cash out, your, cash in your chips and just yeah. retire. Um, yeah, you know, so you. like, well, I'm 41. So you know, one, I'm 41. I got a eight and 10 year old. So I don't know what I would do. Right. So uh, <laughs> they're still in school. So one, so I, uh, it's not like I can just up and go to, uh, go to a you know, perpetual vacation because uh, I'm kind of tied into, into town just mm -hmm. to that. But uh, the second thing is I'd be bored. I mean, that'd be, that'd be, I don't know what I would do if I didn't, I'm, I'm a kind of a deal junkie. I like to like to kind of be in the action a little bit. And then, um, you know, uh, so that, that that's those are a couple couple answers. But, um, you know, I, I enjoy what I do. I, I like the competition of it. Um, you know, I like I like um, to think of it like it's a feel good business. Right. So we get to do well by doing good. So we get to generally most of these properties we, we take over, have some sort of issues with them. Not always, but they're, they generally have some sort of issues. So we come in, solve these issues, make a better physical product you know, prefer, hopefully along the way, we're improving the quality of life or the, the, the resident experience or the tenants on there. And then I get to help, you know, people that, that, uh, you know, generally are, you know, um, they're credited, but there's kind of regular people that work and save their money and trying to get them, you know, hopefully above average returns relative to the stock market at a, at a lower risk uh, profile and, uh, you know, save us some taxes. And if we do all that right, 
you as a sponsor have been uh, rewarded pretty well financially for uh, you know solving a lot of problems that are out there in the world. So it's is you get to do well by doing good and solving a lot of people's problems, whether it's the residents, your investors, uh, you know the, the the property, the city. You kind of get to help a lot of people out along the way. Nice, I love that. And you know, listeners will know that I break the fourth wall on this show all the time, and it is. Uh, 6.30 p.m. my time in November, which means it's 5.30 your time. And you have another call after this, after we're done. So you're, yeah. you're not just, uh, I mean, you're not just having fun, right? You're dedicated. You're, and it looks like you're in the office right now. You're not at we home. Are, yep, so, yep. Still, so uh, still at the office. You're really hustling. That's, that's really yeah. something. So, you know, yeah. hats off to you. But right, you. right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. First one, what is the best investment? you've ever made? Uh, best investment I've ever made. So, you know, kind of, uh, I'll give you two answers. I guess, you know, kind of monetarily really is, um, you know, we bought a, uh, uh, I think I'd probably say the um, regional place apartment complex. We owned that thing for about uh, about 40 months and we, I think, hit about a 5X multiple Whoa. on it in 40 months. And so that was uh, that was an unbelievable deal. Uh, bought it for you know fifty a door, sold it for like one hundred and five, hundred six a door in about forty oh, months, man. and cash flow the entire time. So that was a uh, uh, the ultimate uh, worst to first kind of in class and <laughs> in, in in this market. You know, it was a real real um, dumpy property, and we were able to come back and fix it. Yeah, so that that was the uh, the best uh, best financial uh, deal we've done. I think you really kind of the best investment. You know, um, I didn't ever join like a mentoring club or anything, but really just kind of investing um, a lot of my time into my education, um, paying attention at work. I had a job, you know, where I would just uh, loan on apartments all the time, underwrite deal after deal. And I paid attention. I'd try to take that knowledge I learned there and apply it to myself and my personal time. And I had a motto when I was still working, kind of getting the houses going in the first couple of apartments when I still worked for the bank. You know, I'd go to the office and I would pay myself first and I'd pay my you know, employer second. So maybe I wasn't the best employee those last couple of years, but I'd really <laughs> make sure I was like, you know, I was able to do all of it, but I wanted to make sure that I, I did activities that would then drive my greater mission forward as I was trying to work myself out of, out of my nine to five. Nice, nice. On the other side of that, what is the worst investment you've ever made? Worst investment I've ever made. Um, you know, we've been fortunate. We really haven't had too many terrible uh, apartment deals. Um, you know, uh, I have invested uh, in some oil and gas uh, things, and that hasn't worked out so well for me. Um, uh -oh. I know nothing about it. I was just at a year, year or two ago, I was thinking like, I literally can't have all my money in apartments or cash because that's gotta, I don't do the stock market, right? So I kind of either have cash or apartments. Um, and every time I try to do anything but cash or apartments, it never seems to work out very well for me. So uh, so um, I think that it's been a good lesson to me to learn that, uh, you know, losing the, the investment, also invest in a restaurant too, that's not been good either. Uh, so anytime I kind of take away from focus and control, uh, of the deal, um, you know, never seems to work out. So I just really want to, um, you know, kind of, kind of what's old uh, Rockefeller saying is, uh, you know, it's okay to put all your eggs in the basket. Just make sure you watch that basket, right? So, uh, power the power of focus has been really, um, you know, a, a, a good lesson to learn. Every time I try to get away from from what I know and what I understand, it generally doesn't work out all that all that great for me. So, uh, so focus on, on, on one thing and try to do it really well, or you invest with people that, you know, that know what the hell they're doing. And I didn't seem to, uh, to do so well on these oil and gas deals I've done. So, <laughs> well, that's very Texan of you. So I, you know, yeah. sticking with the Texan theme. So there's nothing wrong with that's that. Right. 
Yeah. So third question is my favorite one. What is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? Uh, you know, I mean, like, like I said, focus, I think is, 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 you know, to kind of reiterate that the power of focus is, is certainly um, good. You know, that, that, um, you know, it's not only just like I pick one asset class, I have a very specific profile of what I do. I mean, you know, we really were just in one market for the longest time. And then we then added a second market, which was complimentary because, you know, it's 180 miles away, same state, you know, a lot of people overlap. So we just really made sure that we understood it. So, um, you know, I think, I think that uh, I see a lot of people that are kind of newer in the business and they just want a deal. They just want a good deal. It doesn't matter where it is, what it is, how big it is. I just want a yeah. good deal. So they're, they're out there chasing it and then they're in, you know, maybe they buy a deal in Memphis, Tennessee, then they buy a deal in you know, Indianapolis and they buy a deal in, you know, well, Utah or whatever, you know, and then they're so spread out and they got a 40 unit deal here and a 50 unit deal there. It's very hard to, if you want to be a professional investor and do this for a living, it's very hard to scale if you're, if you're fragmented, your attention's uh, diverted. You know, one, it's hard to kind of keep your arms around that when they're not in a tight geographical location. Uh, but two, really, you know, the, to do this job right, you know, the brokers really control a lot of the inventory in these major markets. So if you're just kind of bouncing from market to market to market, you never really get to form that uh, those deeper relationships and really get to take advantage of the track record you have in that market. So we really took took the time to make sure that we, you know, were ingrained in a market. And you we were fortunate Dallas Fort Worth is a really large market. Mm-hmm. And we got eight hundred thousand market rate apartment units in Dallas Fort Worth and about two hundred thousand in Austin. So about a million potential units we can go after in the two markets and they build a lot which is good and bad so there's, there's an ever-growing apartment stock here uh, as well so um you know if you're in if you're in a little town that's got a hundred thousand people and maybe you got you know a thousand apartment units in your entire msa then that might not be the right place to go focus on so maybe try to find the the nearest uh, town that's got you know reasonable um economic base and you know hopefully that's business and landlord friendly um, you know, so maybe try to focus on that next major town that's maybe three, four hours away. Um, or, you know, if you're in California and you want to buy in Phoenix or Dallas or wherever, you know, focus on one market, maybe two at the most, and then try to really work your way in. I have a buddy of mine that lives in San Jose that's basically lives there, but he's effectively like a local because he just owns in Dallas Fort Worth and everyone in town knows him and he's always in town. He's been in our market for a long time. So he's done a pretty good job of just, you know, focusing on one thing and not spreading yourself too thin. Um, so I think that would kind of elaborate on the, on the power of focus. I think that's really some of the advantages that if you're really serious about this business, you want to take it kind of and scale it up. It's, it's hard to do it if you're, if you're too scattered uh, in too many different places. Interesting. That's a great point. And I, I think people that tend to want to get into real estate investing, we, we are very uh, potentially subject to shiny object syndrome, right? I'm sure you've yeah. heard that before. And I don't know whether sure. you've struggled with that yourself, but I sure have. Yeah, I, I try not to. I, I feel uh, I'm trying to be self-critical, you know, not that I'm a dumb guy, but I'm not the, the most, my, my partner is definitely smarter than me from that <laughs> standpoint. But one of the things I, I have been able to do, uh, back to kind of the engineer comment from earlier, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, kind of get in their own way all the time. They always need more, more questions, more questions. And, you know, as soon as I know enough to know that this is a good deal, you know, we start taking action and we take it pretty quick. Um, you know, not saying that we don't go back and verify and double check and triple check everything that's possible. And, you know, we have a system 
system in place. And, you know, we have a checks, checks that we try to do and take as much risk as possible, but you know, I don't get my own way. Right. So I don't, I don't need to, you know, keep, keep reanalyzing and analyzing, and analyzing to reconfirm my decision. Usually we'll make a decision and we'll take, we'll take action pretty quick. And that's what a lot of people struggle with. And, uh, and that's much easier today too, than what it was at the, at the onset. Cause you don't know what you don't know and you're unsure yourself. Um, so starting, you know, uh, I, I didn't necessarily need to buy these little rent houses I did, but starting a little smaller, getting some confidence going through that process, really those, um, that confidence level really kind of transition as I decided to scale up. So doing some smaller deals, whether it's a 20 unit deal or 15 unit deal or whatever it is, you know, that's usually the natural progression as you kind of scale up. And once you, you know, could kind of go, go successfully buy one of those, operate it and hopefully sell it, you know, it's not that dissimilar to then scale up to from 20 to 200 units and, and do these larger deals. Um, and that confidence you gain uh, certainly will help you uh, along the way. Helps you not ask some of those really detailed questions and need all the information along the way because you get more comfortable with some of those unknowns that are involved. That 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 or you know what's important and what's not important. Mm. You know, sometimes, you know, you talk to some of these brokers and these guys go on tour apartment complex and they just get so concerned about the um, the Coke machine that's on the property and what the contract split is. And you're talking about, you know, a hundred dollars a month into a property <laughs> that produces $3 million in revenue a year. It's like, it doesn't matter. You know, at the grand scheme of things, focus, you know, uh, experience and, and, and repetition and uh, you know, just kind of allows you to focus on the um, get to the heart of what is really the um, the most critical deal point quickly and make sure you can make that assessment. And that's what experience really gets you. Um, so, you know, I can go to the heart of what this deal is real quick, where if you don't know what you're doing, you, you will get lost going down some rabbit hole that at the end of the day doesn't really matter. And if you don't understand this one key thing, you're not going to be able to overcome this deal. And I could hopefully get to that pretty quickly, almost immediately into the deal. Or maybe if in my first deal, it might have taken me a little meandering path to, to get to that point and a whole bunch of wasted time on my own and the broker. And if you're asking a bunch of silly questions that don't really matter to the broker, then you kind of lose credibility as well. <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate all of that lesson and everything that you've, uh, you've taught us today. If folks want to learn more about you, more about your yeah. company, where can they get in touch with you and learn more? Yeah, it's really two ways. Like like we mentioned, I think the the best way a lot of people find more about us, and uh, you know, really, if you listen to the podcast here, uh, you know, you're probably into apartment investing. So I would certainly recommend uh, uh, looking up the Old Capital Real Estate Investing Podcast. So uh, you can find that like on iTunes or Stitcher, or like I said, probably anywhere you hear my voice, you probably find our podcast. We have a website which is uh, oldcapitalpodcast.com. Or really, the way I, I what I focus my time on, and, and really what I run is our company SPI Advisory, where we go out and buy um, you know, large scale um, apartment complexes and you know, typically syndicate the capital. Uh, you can simply go to um, uh, uh, to our company's website. You know, if you go there, I'm always happy to have uh, you know 10 to 15 minute calls with uh, people I meet off of a podcast. But so you go to a company's website, which is www.spiadvisory.com. That's SPI like advisory.com there there's a contact us form fill that out and we'll get a call set up awesome awesome that's great and yeah, the podcast is fantastic it, it you really you guys really have uh, actionable detailed information in there it's not it's not fluff at all it's a lot of like you said apartment nerd information yeah. in in the best way possible it's fantastic yeah, if you don't like apartments this is not the the one for you but if you do sure. like apartments <laughs> 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 that, that's right 
All right. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for joining us uh, once again today. And then, uh, you know, I, I got to say, uh, I'll say it publicly here, but you know, when I was, when we, we met at the real estate guys event, I hadn't yeah. invested in anything. I hadn't done anything. I hadn't raised a dime from anybody. I hadn't done, I hadn't been to an event like that before. So I was, you know, timid. I'm an introverted guy. My background's in engineering. And, uh, sure. you know, I remember you came up to me, you looked at my name tag, you said, Taylor, how you doing? You know, we chatted for a little while and it was just, you know, I appreciate, um, that because kind of what you did for me, it helped me get into that mode where now when I go to events like that, I have no timidity at all about walking up and talking to anybody. I don't care if they've been on stage or what, but you know, you having been the guy on stage that day and yeah. then walking up to me and talking to me, it was just like, why is this guy, why is he talking to me right now? But <laughs> It helped me a lot. So I, I you know, on a personal level, nice I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, and that was very nice to you. And that, that's one of the things I found too that um, yeah, I'm a little bit more of an introvert personally. So I find it's almost easier to be the guy from the stage. You give a little presentation, then people come, come to you mm. typically to seek you out. So I don't have to do the whole, hi, Michael Becker, nice to meet you uh, conversation. Evidently, <laughs> uh, I, I, I did to you that, that one day three years ago. Well, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's gotten that. Plus, since that time, you and I have both grown beards. So that's right. We've both gotten that's better. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. Happy to talk with you. To everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's a very big help. And if you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and get them involved. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. Cool. Recording here.